Welcome to Making Sense of MarTech, a regular set of conversations with some of the most interesting people in marketing, tech, and advertising. I'm Juan Mendoza. I write the MarTech Weekly Newsletter. It's a weekly email that covers important shifts in the marketing technology industry. People who work in some of the world's largest media, tech, and marketing companies read it. You can read, listen, and subscribe at themartechweekly.com. Okay, today I'm joined by Kaz Orta. He's a co-founder and CEO of Treasure Data, and Mike Anderson, the CTO and founder of Telium. For a roundtable discussion to discuss the perspectives on the outlook of the CDP industry, how they're building it, and the growing challenges around data privacy, regulation, and consumer attitudes in the CDP space. We talk about the changing role of the category in the enterprise, why people are still mystified by the technology, the increasing privacy pressures put onto the industry and the role of the CDP when building digital capability. And we also touch on how big tech is increasingly encroaching into the market. And what does that mean for people building CDP solutions from the ground up? And so now I give you Kaz and Mike. Hey Kaz, hi, hey Mike, how you doing? Hi Joel, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you very much, I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite some, some time. Uh, both of you are leading uh, CDP companies and uh, you have such a great perspective on the industry talking independently uh, with both of you um, and then discussions on and off. So I am so excited for this call. Now, I would like to start with an introduction. Now, uh, how did you actually find yourself leading a CDP company? What did that path look like? I know that both of your paths look very different. Uh, but you're both working in the same category. So I'd love to start with that. Uh, Kaz, did you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, again, my name is Kaz. I started this company, Treasure Data, 11 years ago as a CTO, Chief Technology Officer. I majored in computer science, and my background was HPC, high-performance computing. Uh, at that time, my professor has built the world's fastest supercomputer, basically half a million computers combined into one and running a lot of programs and simulations. And I was a part of the team to build the file system for that supercomputer. And that came in an opportunity to handle large scale, large amount of data. And that turned into the idea of building the data platform. And you know, uh, since then, I moved from Japan to Silicon Valley and then started this company, Treasure Data. And last year, June 1st, I became a CEO and uh, running the whole company. Mm. Awesome. How about you, Mike? How did you find yourself in this space? Um, I, I came in through the analytics world. Uh, I worked for a company out of San Diego here called Website Story, uh, which was the first real-time analytics uh, platform. Before that, companies were using uh, solutions like WebTrends and doing log-based analysis. And so uh, I, I, I pride myself and, and at the same time see myself as a culprit that I was on the team that that invented the pixel as as uh, a means of data exchange uh, well before Google Analytics was even urchin analytics. Um, there was a competitor that we had in the play in the space called Omniture. Uh, we competed uh, fiercely against them for a number of years, and then Omniture in in late two thousand seven, early two thousand eight, uh, acquired Website Story and. Uh, it was very clear that uh, that they were going to just do sort of a rip and replace exercise in software. 
Um, that combined entity went on to become Adobe Analytics, which is is a, a ginormous business today. Um, but at that time, we looked at we looked at how customers were 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 looking to leverage their data, and we actually started with with the tag management uh, arena. It was something we were very good at, and it was something where we saw a lot of friction between marketers and technology people. And there were there were new solutions coming out. Uh, people's Martech stacks were getting larger and larger. Uh, and so we started with tag management, but we primarily did it because we knew that it would put us into the data flow. And, and we knew that we wanted to get into um, customer data, understanding the customer and creating better connected customer experiences by leveraging the data signals that came in. And that that that, that has just been an eternal journey that, that just keeps on going. Mm. And the thing I find really interesting is that I mean, the CDP category is a little bit less than a decade old in terms of the official quote unquote coining of the term happened back in 2013. And since then, <clears throat> my view is that it's become one of the most important categories in enterprise MarTech. Uh, almost every customer I work with is thinking about implementing, using a CDP or getting more value out of it. And I think actually has a significant influence in a very short time over how companies now think about integration, data architecture, how they use channels, how they activate their data, and even strategic questions. I think things like, like who is our customer or what are the segments that we can build? And CDPs obviously unlock a lot of that. But as you mentioned, Mike, um, you've been working in this space and seeing the web analytics and customer experience sort of discipline evolve over... Uh, many, many years. And Telium was actually founded back in, way back in 2008, way before the concept of the CDP actually took off. So can you tell our listeners, I mean, what were things we solving for back then in 2008? And when you introduced the Telium audience stream CDP, what kinds of things were we solving in that period of time? And now what are the things you're working on today? Has much changed? Uh, I mean, so that's, that's a great question. What, what we were working on originally with our customers was uh, back in 2008 was this, this concept of the data layer and, and uh, tagging data sources, whether that be web, mobile, uh, kiosk, you know, back then not many people were using connected call centers, but, uh, but getting, getting good data, getting good quality data flowing in your system. That was really our focus in 2008. Uh, and we, and we led a lot of enterprise customers, you know, to that, uh, to that idealization that, that, that people that I needed to use my data, I need to leverage my data. It was going to become one of my most valuable assets. And in that, in, in that arena, I needed to have good data going in. So we were focusing primarily on getting good data into analytics systems back then, but we always had our eye on uh, on building something that was not just an analytics system, but something that would take data in, it would, it would visitorize the data, it would stitch uh, uh, identities together if, they, if, if, if the rules applied. Um, and then moreover, because we had already built analytics before, uh, we wanted to build something more around the idea of, of data syndication and, and activation. And so we... Uh, you know, we, we sold our customer data platform in 2013. Our very first customer was Ancestry.com. 
And the challenge that they were trying to solve was their sign-up abandonment re-engagement rate was abysmal. That somebody would start to sign up for the ancestry service and they would stop the sign-up process. And I'll poke a little, I'll, I'll poke at the bear a little bit, but Ancestry was using Adobe and Exact Target, two of the 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 big vendors in the space back then. And the problem was is it took it took 48 to 72 hours for the people at Ancestry to be able to just get a re-engagement email out the door. And we looked at that and thought, okay, it's no wonder that their re-engagement rates are sub five percent. We wanted to make that more real time. We wanted to make that something where we could say, look, we know that this, a per this person has abandoned right now. Let's send him an email. Let's do some re-engagement right now. And so we took that, we took that 72 hours down to, you know, a matter of milliseconds and we watched the engagement rate go up to about 60%. And we knew at that point that we were onto something and we were onto something great. And we just kept driving forward. Uh, fast forward a decade later, yeah, I think we're still solving, I think we're still solving some similar problems. I think back then it was mostly just add an email engagement or re-engagement. Now it's a whole slew of solutions. It's product recommendations, it's, it's personalization, it's chat, all of the things that you need to do for a good connected customer experience, as well as even, you know, pulling in um, machine learning scores that determine what the next best offer or what the next best piece of content to put it in front of somebody is. But it, it, it very much is just kind of a, a growth of that core connected customer experience. And there's now, instead of a handful of mediums, there's, you know, there's 7,000 companies out there that use data to do something along the, along the, the life cycle of the customer journey. Mm. How about you, Kaz? Do you see the same things as Mike here? Or have you seen the industry evolve over time? Yeah, so I have a little bit different perspective. When I started the company, I was actually the leader of Hadoop user group back in Japan where I was born. And I had probably 2,000 community members in it. And so, you know, all these members are coming from various industries, some old, like new ones, right? And then, you know, the original idea of Treasure Data was we actually started as cloud data lake company, simply hosting the technology called Hadoop in the cloud. And then, you know, we started acquiring the customer, analyzing the data. So we have customers like social gaming company analyzing the behavior or behavior of the users. We also have some telematic insurance product analyzing the data coming out from the cars, right? And then around 2015 and 16, we came to realize that, you know what? Majority of customer is using the product to analyze the customer data, right? And a lot of marketing department is actually asking our end user to have an access to the data. So since then, you know, we came to the realization where, okay, why don't we build application on top of our cloud data lake platform so that marketer or business user can easily unify the customer data segment and activate so that they have less reliance on the IT and technology team so that they can run campaign and digital optimization much more easily. And we actually didn't know what to call it, but around 2016 at the summer timeframe, 
I was looking at Martek landscape by Chish uh, Martek, uh, Scott Prinkler. And then I found this little category CDP. And then I still remember, I told my co-founder, hey, we actually need to become a CDP company. And of course, no one believed it. But, you know, after that, we got one customer, two customer, three customer. And, then, you know, we gradually started penetrating into more larger brands. And now that we have world a CDP company. And I think, you know, this is, this comes to with the multiple trends, right? Around 10 years ago, there's a lot of revolution in the database technologies. Cloud came in, NoSQL, schemaless came in, distributed database technologies. So that's on the technology side. And also customer experience side, there's a lot of uh, changes happening on the privacy, third-party key, IDFA. So I think those trends combined. Uh, we became a CDP in the natural fashion by just listening with the customers. Mm. It's interesting. I mean, there's <clears throat> there's all these horizons, all these trends that happen with technology, particularly surrounding the internet. I mean, you've got computing where, you know, it was ex extremely hard to access a computer, say 40 years ago, 50 years ago, and then they were manufactured for consumers and then they became easy to use. And now I've got a computer in my pocket. And it's yep. extremely fluid. It's very easy to use. And the same thing with the internet. I mean, I'm sure you both remember the screeching sounds of the dial-up internet <laughs> trying to get on. Yeah. I remember those yeah, days. Right. And, 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 and it was not as accessible. I mean, when DARPA introduced the technology and started working on it with ARPANET, you know, there was only a very small handful of people that actually could understand the, the pop, the power the potential of, of just the internet itself. And then you have data architecture. And right. I think that's an interesting third trend here where you've got computers, internet, you've got the cloud, and then that data architecture accessibility has only grown. So I think to your point, like both of you come from a very technical perspective, working in the code, building solutions, not many people, especially marketers and people who are sort of doing, trying to activate news data had that knowledge, but now it's far more accessible than ever. And I, that, I would see it as sort of the third sort of big sort of horizon that we're, that we're seeing is that the accessibility of data, the package solutions, CDP type companies are actually enabling that in a lot of ways. So it's interesting to hear both of your perspectives so different, but still riding that same wave. What are your thoughts on that? The thing that's really interesting is we both Kaz and I, we've been in this industry a long time. We've seen a lot change on the technology front. I mean, you've seen the cloud just come so massively in everyone's face over the last decade. I think one thing that companies need to understand is that a lot of the things that they want to be able to do today that were technically prohibitive a decade ago are actually very easily done today. Moving data around in a split second and, and integrating into APIs. And, you know, we, let's go back to the days where, where companies had SOAP APIs, which, you know, which those were just painful to integrate to. But now everybody's got REST APIs and, and, and the world is, is ready and poised for integration. The challenges now that I'm seeing in the space are, are less about, let's say the technology challenges. It, we're, we're, in my opinion, we're in a little bit of a people crunch right now. Talented people are hard to find both, both to hire and, and to champion us at, at our prospects and at our customers. Getting people to think outside the box and understand what the art of the possible is, that's, that's a big challenge. I, I can't tell you how many people that I talk to 
that came up through this DMP era of ad targeting and piggyback tags and, and all these things. And they just want their world back. It's changed, right? I mean, the, the concept of piggyback tags, it's done. The third-party cookie is going away. If you're not doing first-party data collection, then you're really not doing any data collection. So the challenge there is, is not so much the technology. Companies like Treasure Data and companies like Telium have, have led the technology to the forefront of where we are. Now it's about how do people leverage it? How do people think about ways to be creative and innovative on the customer experience side of things and then using the right tool that helps them get the job done? So it's been a big shift. Technically, this stuff was really tough to do. 10 years ago, the technology side of it has gotten a lot easier. Now it's, it's more, most of my customers, their challenges are around, okay, now I have the data. I have what I've been asking for for the last 10 years. Hmm. And now I'm, now I'm missing the strategy. And, and <laughs> it's, it's fascinating me because I think most sort of tech CEOs, entrepreneurs, particularly people who are founders and been building, I think the question they're trying to answer is, what do I abstract next? What do I make more accessible next? Is there another layer in the stack that makes that I can make it easier for companies to use, more integrated, more useful, simplify the complex in some other way? And I think that's sort of what CDPs do very well is that they they bring a lot of clarity to the the complexity of managing data and then enable teams. Like I've seen it firsthand. I've seen marketers pick up, use a CDP tool, and then be able to create segments, activate across channels, and have all this great capability. And that's a marketer doing that. That's not a that's not a developer. That's not a software engineer. That's a marketer doing it. So I think it's fascinating. And I think just to add to your comment there, Mike, about staff and finding those people that are trying to do innovation. I think your story, Kaz, before about you were looking at the chief martech landscape, and you asked you looked at this category, this tiny category CDP. You're like, what is that? Well, I would say that's the curiosity that drives a lot of the industry, right? Is that, what is that thing? How can I understand that? And how can I perhaps, there's an opportunity for us to go into. So I, I definitely agree. We need more people thinking about the sort of data architecture and the enterprise specifically in creative ways. I think there's a real shortage on that. But Kaz, did you have any comments? No, I mean, it's amazing, right? You know, 10 years ago, when we pitched to the investor, they are like, okay, who will throw away the data to the cloud? And we were denied by many investors. Now, I guess everyone does, right? And then not only we democratize the power of data to the developers and an IT organization. Now, if you look at the customer of Helium or Treasure Data, they are processing billions of records just by the UI, right? Recommending, activating real time and batch. And, you know, for us, we're managing 100 petabytes of the data but a lot of data is used by non-technical people. That was impossible like 10 years ago, right? And then, you know, if you think about the world right now, data, the volume of data is increased, increased every single day. And the importance of a category will become important and much more important. And then I think this abstraction will definitely help democratize the use of the data for many departments, not just marketing, which we can talk about this later. Mm, mm. That's great. And Kaz, we recently had a discussion about the confusion in the marketplace surrounding even just the concept of the CDP itself and the role of the company. Now, I have a few thoughts on why a lot of people think a CDP is, is something when it actually isn't, or they confuse categories. I think there's a number of different things happening in the marketplace to cause that. 
But one of the ways you're actually trying to tackle this is with the recently launched CDP.com, a media firm that launched just late last year, which actually seeks to educate the market. Now, Kaz, can you draw out, draw out for us in broad strokes? Why do you think confusion reigns in that category? What's causing this and, and how are you trying to solve it? Yeah, so I think in general, this market category is very confusing. You have like 10,000 vendors, right? And each vendor selling to marketing. So they're really good at product messaging. So saying, okay, we're the unique and XYZ, right? And also out of those 10,000 vendors, everyone can be a CDP because to communicate or doing any type of marketing analytics or campaign, you could have to store the data, right? So everyone has what we call mini CDP. That also confuses the people who are actually looking for the pure CDP customer data platform, right? And also in this industry, I think it's a bad habit, but there's a lot of adjacent areas and three word acronyms just as ETL, Data Warehouse, DWH, MDM, CJO, Custom Journey Orchestration, CMP, Consent Management Platform, Reverse ETL, Data Governance. So around CDP, there are so many adjacent areas of product category exist. And then buyers are looking at this and like, okay, I may want to have CDP, but where this actually fits in? And the answer is also very different from let's say like a smaller companies to large company, right? And, you know, people are also looking around the web and there's a, like 150 vendors. Some come from like Telium with web analytics, tag management background. Treasure data comes out from the data platform background. And there are certain companies come from email, SMS, more like marketing cloud, omnichannel communication background. And then they, we all claim like, okay, we have a CDT capability and then, you know, buyers are like, okay, what? Right. So that's why, you know, when we were getting into CDP deals or talking with prospects, we're talking typically RFP process, they call like 20 vendors and then they waste, you know, their time and our time to figure out what's the best solution. It's actually a big time waste for both customer side and then vendor side. So that's why what we found out is, okay, why don't we create a CDP.com that's a vendor neutral media form that actually educate the buyers to pick up the best CDP solution fit for their needs. And then since then, we've been uploading a lot of content and research and podcasts around that. So I think, you know, in this area, like a CDP area, it's still a lot of, um, you know, education needs to be happen. Hmm. I, I've got a joke that that it, it bounces around the tmw community quite a bit now we say that give a marketing automation platform enough time it'll magically turn into a cdp and uh you know and you can see that even with the recent announcement from clavio they've just announced a cdp uh, right. uh another uh, company recently yeah yeah amplitude as well they they've just announced a cdp um, and obviously their product analytics, but it's, it's fascinating to me. It's, it's almost, it feels a little bit like the gold rush days in that, you know, like kind of the DMPs. And then before that, like tag management, like they're like, every company needs to have this technology or bolted onto their sort of their existing offering. It just feels like there's this sort of gold rush that's happening in the industry. Yeah. Like everyone needs to be a CDB because that's what customers are asking for now. But what are you seeing in that space, Mike? Do you think that's true or, you know, what, what are your comments on, on everyone becoming a CDP? I could talk about this for days, gentlemen. 
You know, here's, so here's what I can't understand. Why are there a thousand companies trying to become a CDP? How come nobody else tried to tackle tag management, right? I mean, there was like five of us that tried to do tag management from the start, but that people see, people see the opportunity and they see that the future is in the customer data and making sense out of it. The challenge that you run into in the space, and you know, I, I hate to say it's like just, it's not really fragmentation in the space, it's just more confusion. But I think a lot of us, I think if you, if you were to ask myself and Kaz what we thought the output from, from a CDP would be, we would say, listen, we want better customer experiences. We want, we want proactive customer experiences. We want clean data. We want easy, easy manageability of data. We want to be able to slice and dice the data and create audiences, activate those and have the integrations that we need and just spend more time leveraging the data than figuring out how to get our hands onto the data. But, but there's, a, there's a large gamut of data. And yeah, there is a lot of FOMO in the market. Three years ago, four years ago, Salesforce and Adobe passionately said CDPs were a flash in the pan and they wouldn't do anything around the CDP area. And there was, there was, nothing, there was nothing that they needed to do. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's roadmaps are focused on, on the future of CDP and everybody's doubling down on, on the CDP. You know, I, somebody said to me, they're like, well, you know, Salesforce has the market leading CDP. And I thought, well, who did they buy to get that? They didn't build it. So they, they haven't really bought anybody that, that has a market leading CDP. Cause I don't necessarily know that there is a market leading CDP. We all have, we all have greenfield opportunities. And, and, you know, I would say from a feature completeness perspective of what I would love to do in the customer data realm, we have, I can see 10 years of roadmap in front of me of things that I would love to build. There's a lot of opportunity here, but I think what, what I, when I try to explain things to people, I say that, that the, the, the company that is going to own and win the customer data platform space is, is a company that embodies, you were talking one about the, about a computer. The modern computer, you have RAM and you have hard drive and you need both for a reason. If you had a system that was just streaming only real time and dealing with, dealing with just RAM, it would be a very expensive system. And if you had a company that was only dealing with hard drive, it would be a slow system and you would, you would lack some of the real time integration capabilities. You have to have, you have to have capabilities of both. And we came to this from from the streaming world of real-time analytics. And so we very much focused on the RAM side of the feature set. I know that through my discussions with, with the folks at Treasure Data, they came from that data platform world. They really came from that hard drive area where it's like, we wanna have all the data and make it, make it highly usable and, and very, very manageable. It's going to be a combination of, of a lot of the things that Telium provides and a lot of the things that Treasure Data provides that are what the customers need. And I would guess, while we're focusing on a lot of that hard drive type capability at Telium, I would guess Kaz and his team are focused on a lot of that RAM type capability at Treasure Data. But you stay close to your customers and they'll tell you what they need and the smart customers lead you in the right direction. And that's been the journey that we've been on for the last decade with this stuff is just, we stay as close to the customers as we can and they really, they really will push you into the right direction of what, what needs to happen. One of the questions that I often ask myself is <clears throat> Salesforce 
came in and dominated the CRM market and they still do. They are many multiples bigger in the CRM space than most other vendors. And they found a, obviously an innovation, which was the cloud. They applied that to CRM and they said, Hey, you can use the CRM in the cloud. Now you can use it in your browser. Great. And then they dominated the market, but I'm not seeing that in the CDP market. As you mentioned, Mike, it's very diverse. I think it's as diverse as the industries and the customers out there that have unique solutions because a CRM is great. I mean, you don't need to be super entrenched with a company to have a CD, a CRM, but to have a CDP, you really need to know, as you said, Mike, the, the customer, what they, that they need from their data, what their schemas look like, how contaminated that data is, or the quality of veracity of that data. It's so, um, so enmeshed. So I find that a lot of CDPs, so for example, Box Ever, that was a CDP that was acquired by Cycle. Another example of, you know, everyone has a CDP now, which is Cycle has, oh, they, they have CMS, but now they have a CDP, which Box Ever. They reskinned it. But Box Ever was an airline CDP. I mean, it, it was had a specific vertical in mind because uh, airlines have very different data needs than other companies. And so I think there's this interesting layer on top of this is that, well, there is no dominating player in the CDP space because there's too much complexity. There's too much variance in what a customer needs out of the software. And so I find that a lot of CDPs and that perhaps Telium and Treasure Data are the exception here where you work across many different verticals in that you find some of the smaller players are just siloing into a specific market vertical. But I think it's, it's a fascinating question. I mean, you know, why does every man, woman, child and their dog have a CDP? I think maybe part of the answer is it's just the needs are so diverse. And so there's opportunities in all the different market verticals, but that's my perspective. But let's talk about our next point here, which is about the increasing pressure on online marketing from a variety of places. So for example, we have companies like Apple who are, I, w I just came back from San Francisco and every second billboard was an iPhone and it said privacy, that's iPhone. Apple have been doing a lot of a lot of work in the privacy space, doing Apple tracking transparency, doing obviously looking at more privacy relay type features with iCloud, which masks your identity online and they're deprecating third-party cookies, but they're coming out with this strong narrative saying, Hey, you know, all these companies are collecting data on you. They're tracking you. It's not private, but we are building private solutions for our hardware and software. And we've also got the deprecation of third-party cookies. Google is on a plan, but it's very confusing right now because they were supposed to deprecate the cookies fairly soon, but they've just bumped that out another few years. So what are they doing there? They're trying to build other solutions around online tracking, ad targeting, using the privacy sandbox and FLOC and all these other sort of solutions to get around from the third-party cookie. And then you have this sort of adjacent trend, which is, well, look, COVID-19 has drove, driven a lot of online, excuse me, activity from online shopping through to B2B buying, through to media consumption, social networking. All of that has been driven online because they've been sitting in a pandemic for two years at home. And so you have more customers and more people online, more familiar with online interactions than ever. But on the other side, you have this, um, this trend towards perhaps more of a private web. And, you know, the other aspect of this is, well, government regulation. I mean, I've never seen Europe find so many tech companies <laughs> over the past year and a half for violations of the GDPR privacy regulation in, in their union. So with all of this considered, I've got one question for both of you. Maybe Mike, you'd like to start, but with all these pressures put on the industry, but then also this increasing activity with online consumers, if you could bet the farm on one thing to work on over the five next five years, what would that be? 
Mark, did you want to kick us off? Huh. You you can't you can't just narrow it down to one thing. But there is there is definitely I would say that the pressure that marketers have on on themselves right now is the just the demand from the public. You know, we see examples of of same day delivery. We see the examples of awesome recommendations of other products that we should buy. We see amazing digital concierge services where we could buy tickets and, and check into hotels. So we're seeing bits and pieces of excellent experiences out there. And our standards have raised dramatically around that. I, I knew going into the CDP era that the next five, 10 years of our life was going to really be pretty amazing because it was going to, we we're going to move to a very customer centric world and the best experiences went. And, and we have a lot of option. If I don't like Uber, I can take Lyft. If I don't like Grubhub, I can use DoorDash. If I don't like Hyatt, I can use Milton. And it's going to boil down to who puts the best experience in front of me. And that, that I think is the pressure the marketers are feeling is that they have to be the best. They have to engage well with their customers and they have to be relevant. Um, if I'm calling in because I want to track an order, don't offer me a credit card option on the phone system. It's bad enough I got to call in anyways, but don't offer me something that's completely disconnected from my experience. But to answer your question, I would say one of the hardest things that we've had to figure out over the last couple of years, and that's definitely not going away, is how to delete data. Mm. And with all of these privacy, you know, adding data, writing data to a database, time series data, all that stuff, that's all really easy to do. There's all kinds of technology out there. But a lot of times it's really expensive to go in and, and delete data. And when someone says, forget what you know about me because of one of the privacy clauses and you have to go in and actually delete the data. That's been, that's been challenging. Making sure that, that when you have German customers, that the data collected about those German customers resides in Germany, right? All of these, all of these laws, and it's not just one set of laws. There's GDPR, there's CCPA, and then there's this whole slew of everybody having their own, their own privacy laws. And so you really have to have a team dedicated to analyzing this, finding the common denominator laws, and then, then building the most robust set of security features that just appease all of these laws. So I think it's the security side of things that is something that we didn't have to deal with before 2018. It was a lot easier to deal with data five years ago. Today, when you make a design, you have to look at it and say, okay, that's a great architecture. One question, how do you delete it? And you have teams now that are dedicated not only to collecting and processing petabytes and exabytes of data, now it's the whole delete side of things. And the bigger pressure comes onto marketers that if the marketers could just use the data to build better experiences with the brand, you'd have a lot less people opting out. You'd have a lot less people saying, delete the data you know about me, which would relieve a lot of the pressure that the technologies team um, is taking on trying to figure out how to delete this data. So everything is, despite all of these siloed organizations that you see where the, where the CMO and the CTO and the CRO never talk, they're actually more tightly coupled than they've ever been before. And now is that time where the customer data platform not only provides data that yields great experience, hopefully for customers, but it also provides that sort of unifying platform that gets the executives at a company 
who don't traditionally work well together, starting to work together because they have the common language of data to leverage. Hmm. Kaz, how about you? I mean, let's say there's one, if we could boil down all the issues of the day, what would be one thing? What's one challenge you reckon you'd be working on over the next five years? I think Mike nailed down great points. I would say, you know, I'm talking with a lot of employees here is like the importance on the ethical use of the data, right? So, you know, 10 years ago, it was a big data era where you collect everything about your consumers and use the data wherever you want. But, you know, we looked at the example of advertisement technologies and sometimes as a consumer, I was really bothered by the you know, ads shown across everywhere, you know, sometimes it's very uncomfortable images shown, right? Mm. And that's also shown by using our data or my data. So I think if, if there's one thing, it's an ethical use of the data, especially the balance between the customer experience with the trust, like how do we protect the privacy and then, you know, integrate the use of data with the consent. I think it's really important. And, you know, when I talk about CX, it's just not for marketing, right? You know, we recently launched this messaging called Connected Customer Experiences, where customer experiences is not just for marketing. When you talk with the sales rep in the retail store or dealership, or when you talk with comics and an agent, and all the, uh, the customer experience needs to be connected with one thing, which is customer data. At the same time, you need to provide the transparency of how your data gets used. And that's the trust part, right? And then, you know, same with Telium and also Treasure Data, we're actually, you know, storing billions of people's profiles inside our system. So on one end, we have a huge opportunity to make billions of people's life much more useful, easier, delighted. At the same time, we need to provide a tool so that we become custodian of the data. We don't want to have our customers abusing the consumer data, right? So I think, you know, those two, the balance between those two, that's really important for the next five to 10 years. Mm, I agree. I, uh, I recently watched an interview with Mark Benioff, the CEO of Salesforce, and he was asked the question about, okay, so Meta, Facebook, they're in hot water because of breaching data privacy. There was a lot of, you know, obviously consumers are not trusting the platform as much. And they asked, you know, what, what would be your advice to Mark Zuckerberg? And, and Mark Benioff said, well, his advice would be look at how you can operationalize trust. And yeah. my gut reaction to that was like, this just sounds like a, a, a massive buzzword. I'm like, what does that even mean? But as I've got <laughs> deeper and deeper into the privacy space, I've, I've started to think, no, it's actually, a lot of this is about trust. And it's yeah. building technologies that help enable that consumer to trust your brand. And, right. and I, I did a talk just recently with uh, about 50, 60 marketing ops people. And the question we're asking was, well, in marketing operations, a lot of this, a lot of their work is to do with revenue and growth numbers. But yeah. if they're not sitting on a foundation of safety and trust, then all of that doesn't matter. Like none of that matters. And I think yeah. it's, you know, there's this, there's this layer of, okay. The web's becoming more private. There's a technical questions, but then I think there's this ethical question of, well, what is an ethical web? Has ad tech made it less ethical? Has it, has it made it more harmful to people? And I think we're heading into more of a nuanced space, <laughs> which I think is a good thing. I think these are hard yeah. questions to answer, 
And it's a hard question for, for both of you to answer because you both work in this uh, very, very close to the customer in, in terms of data. I mean, so I think it's very, very challenging. So not an easy job. What are your thoughts, guys? Yeah, so, you know, I think on one end, marketer can send like billions of emails to get the conversion, but then, you know, what's the point, right? So I think the difficulties here is, okay, there's a regulation, which is written, but those regulations also has a lot of gray area. There's also a lot of perception coming out from the consumers. And there's also a limitation or technical challenges like deletion, like Mike mentioned. There's also an interesting angle where Apple is pushing for these privacy messages on the device. But on one end, I was looking at like what company is actually collecting the data at my house and Apple is collecting the most. Yeah. And they're also running the DSP business, right? Okay, what is, what is this, right? Mm. So I think there's a lot of reality, gray areas, perception, and we mm. just need to navigate. But, you know, well, one thing it's important is what is good for the humans, right? What is the right use of the data? I think that came, that, that ultimately came to the point. Mm. It, it's, it's a, it's a core question on values. That's, that's where I'm going is that a couple, I think companies have to look in the mirror and say, what are our values here? Yeah. I mean, uh, another conversation recently had was with another customer that pride themselves on customer safety and they're in the mm -hmm. travel sector. And I said, well, safety is a big component of your brand. Now, how do you apply that to data? And they said, oh, well, we're, we're just going to go down when the regulation comes or regulation comes and we'll de deal with it then. But I actually said, you're missing the point here. Data privacy and protection is a part of your brand message. It's actually part of who you are as a company, it's your values and how you, how you working that out and how you prioritizing it. So I think it's, it's fascinating. I think we could go down the privacy rabbit hole for quite some time, but I do want to talk and touch on, um, capability building with CDPs. It's one of the questions that I think often come up from TMW subscribers is that how do you, how do companies like treasure data and Telium help their customers build capability within their own brands. And so there's a recent Forrester study, a bit, a bit of a controversial one, but they, they surveyed a number of people across the industry about their CDP use consumption. They, they're saying that only 10% of CDP owners today feel that all their, their needs, needs are met with that platform. And the number drops to 1% who believe their CDP answers future requirements. Now, Mike, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think, how do we actually build more capabilities or what are you working on to get the, more of those customers into the 1% and the 10%? What does that look like from your perspective? This is going to be a little bit of a controversial answer, but I, I actually am seeing more that there actually is a lot of functionality out there in the customer data platform realm. I wouldn't boast and say that, that we're anywhere near feature, feature complete with, with what I would like to be able to deliver for, for our customers. It is very broad. I mean, you have, you have pharma and Pfizer and retail and, and travel and hospitality and, and, and all of these other industries that are trying to solve that same problem, but they all have very, very different needs. And so tackling this at the enterprise. It's definitely a challenge because it, it's, it's a, there's a breadth of functionality and breadth of capability, even the integrations. You know, we, we just launched a Telium for Pharma Vertical and the integrations that we had to build to satisfy this, this Pharma Vertical 
they they were on they were they were nowhere mentioned anywhere in 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 any of the standard martech players that you would normally see it was just all these very specific viva destination sorry destinations of data like viva where where it's just very pharmaceutical specific you're going to find that there are a number of customers that are that are wagging the tail and there are a lot of customers that are just waiting for the tail to wag the dog <laughs> uh, we talk to a, we try, I try to talk to as many of those customers that are trying to break new ground and trying to lead ideas into the future with, with new connected customer experience ideas so that we know what, what we should really put our, on our roadmap. It has become, become much more of a roadmap sell in recent years before we would talk about everything that we could do. But now people are saying like, look, I'm betting on this. So I need to know what you're going to build out over the next five years because they, they see this as, as an integral part of their stack that's going to go on into the future. And so I've, I've seen more conversations around roadmap, but it all boils down to, if you sit and listen to your, your customers, and if you have the, the luxury of having smart customers and you sit down and talk with them and listen to them, they're, they're going to guide you into the right direction. Uh, but I, you know, I, I would say, I think that those numbers are low. Um, the Forrester study, I, I think they probably are very low, uh, but I would probably say that, that in, in the CDP realm, I would say that like 10% of, of the companies out there that have a CDP are really leveraging a, a good percentage of its capabilities. There are a lot of companies out there that have a CDP and are, and are not even really scratching the surface with what they can do with it. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting you raised the aspect of this as well, Mike, because um, I, I'm also seeing that as well. Um, a, a short way of saying it is, as soon as you buy a CDP, their roadmap becomes your roadmap in a lot of ways. And client-side buyers or MarTech buyers are thinking like that. They're like, well, yeah. I mean, are we going to be not, if as our company grows and scales and becomes more mature, will we increasingly be limited by what this technology offers? Do we have to deprecate it at some point? And, you know, there's more of that sort of future leaning thinking about, well, how does their roadmap influence ours? And so it's really interesting you raise that. Uh, but uh, Kaz, what are your thoughts? I mean, you've been, you've got a number of customers that are now years deep into their partnership. How, how has Treasure Data approached that enablement and really capability building with, with those brands? Yeah, you know, I would say focus on ROI, right? Ultimately, if customer invests a million dollars for Treasure Data, and then if they get a lot of revenue increase or profit increase or cost saving because of Treasure Data, they're already successful, right? And I think those research firm study is pretty interesting maybe from the outsider perspective. But if I look at my company's number, our churn rate is 0.6 to 0.7% every month, which is like the highest or level of low churn in the SaaS category, right? So I'm not seeing people, I'm not people leaving, at least from treasure data customer base. And I often told my employee, maybe it's not the answer you're looking for you, John, but just look at the customer, not the competitors, right? Mm. We always trying to learn from the customer, make customers successful, get their highest ROI. Sometimes customer gets lost. Okay. What am I doing? Right. <laughs> and their boss is asking our champion, Hey, are we getting good results from CDT? They don't sometimes have an answer. So 
our team actually gets in and help them create and calculate the numbers. Hey, you actually execute 180 types of campaign and you got, you actually got, you know, $600 million worth of revenue increase through the campaign you run on top of CDP. And that's like, wow. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, okay, showing the value, focus on the customer, where they go next, just gets back to the basics of running the software company for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. I mean, the, the perspectives are so different between both of you, but both of them are so helpful in thinking about that question. And I'll obviously think about that quite a bit as well. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, what, what is missing in the company? I mean, is it a skills gap? Is it a mindset issue? I mean, is it a cultural problem? Is it the data is so contaminated and it, it just lacks quality that it's not usable? I mean, there's so many questions when it comes to building capability that you need to kind of answer, but it's interesting that your perspective is so different, but also uh, complementary in so many ways. So thank you for that. The last question I have, uh, which, um, this one is, uh, I think is uh, more of a trend that I'm seeing in the space, which is uh, big tech is increasingly encroaching into the CDP market. Uh, you know, you have more feature releases, acquisitions, some product launches, uh, in the sort of big tech category. So example is Salesforce and Evergage is one uh, example. Now they're sort of obviously building CDP solutions with that acquisition. I mentioned Cycle before. I mean, Cycle just, I think, did one of the biggest equity raises in the history of, <laughs> of, of MarTech. It was a lot of money, but they've obviously acquired Box Ever as a CDP. Amazon is heading in this direction with AWS Pinpoint, multi-channel experience platform. And then Google, Google Cloud Platform, GCP. They offer CDP feature sets that are native to their platform. Platform. So markets and markets, so their research body, they forecast that the CDP industry will be worth about 15 billion by 2026. So the industry looks like it's growing, it's it's gaining more traction. And then big tech companies are looking at how can we bring this capability into our uh, existing cloud solutions. But my question for perhaps Mike, if you wanted to lead this one, how does this change the lead CDP's landscape? What do you think the value add is for independent CDPs like Tilium and Treasure Data? in a market which increasingly is being consolidated into these big marketing experience clouds. What are your thoughts? Well, we've had, I'm, I've had, I've had countless debates uh, in sales cycles with prospects around, do I go the one throat to choke and just buy the entire MarTech stack from a Salesforce or, or Adobe, or do I go with, with an independent like, like Telium? to help me with that. Our strategy has always been, we believe that companies should take a best of breed approach on this. And, and that's, that, even that statement has got some caveats to it. The people have said like, who's, who's the best email vendor? Who should I pick? And, and like I said earlier, this is, this is not as much about the tech anymore as it is about the people. And so I say like, who's the best? The best company out there is the one that has people on the other side of the line that 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 make you feel that they're that they're truly invested in your company's success as a customer and you may find that the tech is sort of a secondary aspect of the decision when you pick a vendor and it's more about the people they can't all these big martech companies can't go out and buy the best of breed company in every category and they can't all have best of breed. So the notion of a, of a MarTech stack immediately throws away the comment best of breed. Mm. So it really depends on the philosophy. Do I want to go with the best 
solutions or do I want to go with an all-in-one? You know, I, I, I've used this joke before. I said, like, a lot of us can go to Walmart to pretty much get every single thing that we want. But <laughs> could, you, could you imagine, could you imagine taking your significant other out to Walmart for a romantic dinner to celebrate your 20th wedding anniversary? You think that's going to go over very well? It's not, right? Because Walmart <laughs> is not a fine dining establishment. So while Walmart tries to be everything to everybody, there's a lot of things they don't do. And so our feeling in this has always been, let me take a look at what you have. Let me take a look at what your, what your current infrastructure is, both built and bought. And let me figure out how to glue it all together and make it work better. Uh, I'll, I'll add one point to that, Mike, which is your point about the company that has the best sort of customer success teams to make it happen. I mean, Naval Ravikant, Silicon Valley investor, he said once that, you know, you, you want to choose the companies that have higher accountability across a, a core product. So he would say, you know, if you're going to go work with a lawyer or you need legal services or you need accounting services, go work with the accountant that owns the shop. I mean, he, uh, maybe it's a bit smaller, but he's, uh, he's accountable directly for the outcomes of the business, you know, work with the owner, you know, and the same thing here applies to, um, is to these sort of marketing clouds, right? Is that, uh, you know, say Salesforce, great example of like their core product is CRM. And I think it'll always be CRM. And then they built this sort of galaxy of, um, ecosystem of other products around it. But, you know, when you're working with a company like that, CDP may be just an experiment or a bet or a speculation, but it's not the core product. I mean, you perhaps, I'll go, another question to ask is look where the revenue comes from. Uh, look where the revenue comes from in the business and what they, do they focus on? So I think that's a really good point you raise about accountability and making sure that, um, you know, you're working with a CDP company that really has your success in mind and invest in that as well. So thank you for that, Mike. Uh, Kaz, did you have any last thoughts before we wrap up for today? Yeah. So, you know, in addition to that, like all in one bus and space of breed, if you look at the broader view, right? So let's say like the IT spare, the cloud spend is just around 15% to 20%, but 80% actually goes to more like on-prem legacy systems, right? So when I talk with a couple of customer, even this week, one customer say, you know what, guys, I spend like $150 million 25 years ago to build, um, you know, the customer data management stack on top of the on-prem, you know, legacy systems. And I'm actually paying $8 million to $10 million every three years just to keep it running and maintaining it, right? So the project I was involved right now is, okay, how can we move a little bit of functionality they have built 25 years ago and then bringing it to the cloud or SaaS and then modernize it with the solution we have now, what we call like customer data cloud or the broader messaging. But the key point is, yes, we're sort of competing against big tech, but I would say the main area where we actually grow as an industry is there's like hundreds of very old legacy systems handling a part of customer data in the enterprise. And that's where the opportunity lies, right? Like the SIs, you know, the vendors who work with the enterprise for 20 years, they're making so much money just to maintain it. And then the end user is hating it. They would like to modernize it. How can we get the data from the on-prem legacy systems and use it in the modern market world? That's a huge challenge. 
And that's where the money uh, exists, right? So on one hand, I actually welcome more vendors coming in. And uh, we're actually trying to conquer and then converting more on-prem legacy workload or customer data management stuff and modernize with our uh, solution. So that's why, you know, we're actually growing faster than uh, the other category. Mm, that's really interesting as well, because you're right. That's not big tech. And so the battle in the cloud is the battle on-prem, which is the, the more interesting point. And that stat you raised, I think um, Benedict Evans has talked about that quite a bit um, in talking about, well, are we really in the cloud yet? I mean, a lot of companies still invested on-prem and, and that's a really interesting question for CDP. So thank you for raising that. And uh, I would love to throw to both of you, uh, where can we interact with you online? Um, if we want to learn more about both Telium and Treasure Data or, or connect with you. Uh, perhaps Kaz, did you want to go first? Yeah, so for Treasure Data, please come to uh, uh, visit www.treasuredata.com and uh, please find our solution there. And we also run, again, cdp.com, where you can find out resources around CDP in the vendor neutral fashion. So that might be interesting for you too. Awesome. How about you, Mark? Telium.com, uh, but I'm always up for it. I'm always up for a good discussion. So if you feel like reaching out to me directly, Mike at telium.com. I'm happy to answer questions. I, I, I've been in this space as long as, if not longer than anybody in this data collection <laughs> analytics world. And, and, uh, I'm a very opinionated guy. So I'm always happy to have, have, uh, healthy discussions around where the market's going, where people should invest. I, you know, I tell our customers a lot of times, like, look, Leverage me. You, you, yeah, you should look at it and say, Mike, if you were the CTO of my company and you just bought Telium, what would you do with it first? What would be your 90-day plan? What would be your 180-day plan? I have a lot of discussions with, with CTOs and, and technology leaders around build versus buy. And I try to tell them, you know, what do you want to be famous for? What are you really good at? You should focus on that. You should focus on the last mile customer experience. Leave some of this other stuff to other people that are good at that, but, but I'm open for, I'm open for debate anytime. And, and this is a market category. I actually applaud cows for putting out the, the vendor neutral cdp.com because that's, that's a big opportunity to educate the, the market from a, a hopefully sales pitch free zone. And Kaz, I may hit you up to contribute to that site with you because there's a lot of education that needs to happen out there in this space. and and more of that is, is very welcome. Right. Well, today. <laughs> <laughs> well, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us, both Kaz and Mike. Uh, we are regularly interviewing people who are featured every week in the Matek uh, weekly newsletter. People who are at the forefront of their industries, like Kaz and Mike building CDP companies. We delve into topics that subscribers care about. So if you'd like to read and subscribe, you can head to the Until we meet again.